Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the UK's usual performances at Eurovision to the UK's performance at Eurovision this weekend. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? I'm I'm very, very good. Just just on the Eurovision front. What a what a show that was, eh? Not not yeah. as good as the playoffs, but still very enjoyable. I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I usually enjoy it because exactly. UK actually did all right. I, I can't say I'm ever that fussed by what UK do. I'm just I'm just there for the weird funky things that go on. Can you remember like Finland from a few years ago where they had those death metal masks and they were just mm. quite unique, shall we say? I enjoyed the banana werewolves. I thought they were good. I thought that should have come higher. I won't lie. I thought they did. I thought they were better than Sweden. Their uh, Scandinavian rivals. Yeah, I didn't really understand how Sweden did so well. I was not impressed by them at all. But nearly won the whole thing. So there you go. What do we know about music, Justin? And um, Justin, obviously, this is the second tier podcast. Welcome along, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. And um, I just wanted to quickly spring something on you. What we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, is we're going to go through the playoff games from this weekend, uh, the first legs of the playoff semi-finals, of course. Then we'll talk about some of the news from the past. few few days in the championship there's been a lot of news for us to get through as well and just what i wanted to spring on you was this i was having a look through my phone notes um, earlier just because i was having a little browse from last year kind of time Mm -hmm. and i noticed a note here saying bets with justin from august of last year um do you want to know what these bets are see i when we talk uh, just over WhatsApp, as uh, as people do, um, I will make outlandish bets in some senses, uh, and I will forget about them, but clearly you don't. I have a vague recollection that we may have actually aired it. We may have actually put this mm. on record, these bets, and we had £10 each on these bets. Would you like to hear them? There's only three. Okay. So the first one was, Justin says Peterborough will concede fewer than 55 goals this season. Oh, shit. That's not gone well. (laughs) (laughs) Had a quick look. 87 goals they've conceded. Yeah. So that's not a good start. Next one was, Justin says Peterborough will finish above 15th this season. Darren Ferguson tax, though, please. (laughs) Grant McCanston, all right? I'm not sure I can accept that, unfortunately. And your blind optimism about Peterborough at the start of the season has cost you dearly. No, no, Darren Ferguson's cost me dearly. Darren Ferguson has cost me dearly. I will, if I owe you money, I will send an invoice to Mr. Ferguson. This one has got nothing to do with Darren Ferguson. (laughs) Justin says, um, Campbell, Rhodes and Ward will score 25 goals combined this season for Huddersfield. I had a look. Danny Ward scored 14. The other two haven't scored. Now, yeah, Jordan Rhodes has. Um, Jordan Rhodes may have got one, sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. to be fair, in my defence, Jordan Rhodes has been injured for a large portion of the season. And that wasn't... Fraser that Campbell, wasn't Fraser Campbell's barely played. Yeah, he has. Um, that wasn't a bad shout in my, in my defence, I don't think. Either way, I'm just doing the maths here. Three bets, £10 each. I think that's 30 quid you owe me, Justin. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, we're, we're going away soon on a stag do, so I will buy you a pint while we're at, at, uh, We're going yeah. to Dublin, so that is probably the price of one pint as well. Um, <laughs> sh- should we talk about the playoffs, Justin? That's why we're here. In, in may t- well. We may as well talk about some of the games from the first legs of the playoffs. So we'll start off with Forest. They won 2-1 away at Bramall Lane in the first leg of their playoff semi-final against Sheffield United. So, 
Justin, for me, the, the, the whole of the first half and the second half of the second half, mm-hmm. Forest dominated. And really, they should have killed off the tie, shouldn't they? Oh, without doubt, they should have been, <laughs> I don't know, four or five up. Um, oh, it was easy. quite staggering. Yeah, it was quite staggering the amount of chances they had. Um, and, and fair play to um, to League One, whereas obviously we did a team of the seasons recently and I think if West Fotheringham had played more games or as many games as Lee Nichols, he would have certainly surpassed him and Travers statistically because he's shown exactly why he's been so important for Sheffield United this season. Because again, just the amount of saves he made was was good. He commanded his box as well and he, and he bailed his team out massively because Sheffield United were really poor. I actually thought the first... Um, <laughs> it's really weird. I thought the first seven or eight minutes, Sheffield United were much better than Forrest. Um, and then Forrest broke and got that goal. And then from there... Sheffield United were sixes and sevens and played into Forrest's hands and fair play to Forrest, they were brilliant, but struggled to kill the game off. A third goal would have certainly killed the tie off. Yeah, they should have won by at least three or four, shouldn't they? And the fact mm-hmm. they're taking a one goal lead back to the city ground is actually quite disappointing because losing 2-1 definitely flatters Sheffield United, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And you're yeah. absolutely right. Wes Fodringham was the busiest man in Yorkshire this <laughs> weekend. He kept the score down so well. So hats off to him. But from a Forest perspective, they have got to be looking at this thinking this was... They really could have wrapped everything up in the first leg. My worry is, will it come back to bite them on the arse? Because mm. if it does come back to bite them on the arse, they've only got themselves to blame, haven't they? Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. Um, I think if they take a two nil lead going into the, uh, going to that home game, then yeah, you're a lot more confident. But obviously, Sheffield United have got difference makers all across the pitch. They weren't particularly present, I don't think, in in that um, in the game on Saturday. But they will certainly make themselves known. And and you look at how Sheffield United responded against Fulham, where they had to win, they had to get a result. They came out of the blocks early and scored three very quick goals. That's the worry, I think, for Forrest. Um, and if they can do that to a Fulham, bear in mind Fulham are, they were, it was it was a chill day for them last weekend, shall we say. Um, it certainly won't be the same Forrest, so it won't be as, as open um, for Sheffield United. But that's the worry, because that's the potential that Sheffield United have, especially in this circumstance where they've got absolutely nothing to lose. Yeah, I thought Sheffield United, to be fair, were quite dangerous on the break they had a few chances here and there it wasn't whereas you know Forrest created a hatful of chances and should have scored more Sheffield United did have a couple of decent chances themselves Mm -hmm. aside from the goal and on another day maybe they could have snatched another one but without a doubt Forrest should have really put this to bed either way taking context out of the game taking a lead back to your own ground means Forrest have got one foot in the playoff final haven't they yeah, and given their record at home as well, um, I think you can you can put yeah one foot towards Wembley certainly, but um, I don't think things are as cut and dry as that in the playoffs because as I say, what have Sheffield United got to lose? They've just got to go for it, um, and and that could that could play into Forest's hands. You look at how open Sheffield United were at times, um, and how ruthless Forest were on the counter attack. Not necessarily in finishing, but certainly in chance creation, they were they were um, superb. So yeah, it's certainly one foot in the door. But I, yeah, you just can't discount <laughs> you just can't discount drama, can you, in the playoffs? Because it can swing, it can easily swing in Sheffield United's favour, especially if there's an early goal. Yeah, and we know Sheffield United have got the quality to punish Forest if they 
do slip up and they don't put the game to or put the tie to bed rather. So how mm. do Sheffield United get back into the tie <laughs> on Tuesday then, Justin? Approach the game with the same man- mentality they did on the final day of the season against Fulham. It's a it's a no lose situation for for Sheffield United. Which fair enough, there's a one goal deficit, but I think the longer the game goes on the more it suits Nottingham Forest. Um, and I think as well as that, they've got to nullify Forest counter-attacking threats. They didn't do that. Um, I think every big chance that Forest created uh, on Saturday came from Sheffield United not being set up for that break. They were all over the place defensively. They were all over the place mm-hmm. in midfield. They lacked a fair bit of discipline at times as well in their defensive shape. And Forest exploited that. They've got to be more disciplined. You look at Bournemouth, how Bournemouth overcame Forest um, in their in their win that I saw them promoted. They were so disciplined, tactically very um, very rigid, but they were disciplined. I think Forest had two good chances in the first half, and that was it. Um, Sheffield United have got to approach it in the same manner, but obviously with the with the attacking threat that they need. And as well as that, is it a risk bringing Billy Sharp and George Baldock into the team? Maybe, but it might it might pay off. Well, Sheffield United and Forest meet again on Tuesday night, which will obviously be a cracking game because I thought this was a really entertaining game Mm -hmm. in itself. Um, Final point on this game, actually. We often criticise the referees, don't we, and the standard of officiating in the Championship. But credit where credit's due. I thought Andre Mariner refereed the game really well. So I I think he really let the game flow. Yeah, wasn't any controversial decisions, which we may talk about in this in the uh, in the in the other game, um, but I, I thought he actually did a good job. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, on the whole, the I thought it was good, but that was the Garner on Sanderberg moment where um, he gets Sanderberg gets dragged down by Garner, and then uh, straight after Sheffield United, that was in the box, I think, or it might have started outside the box, um, but that was a controversial moment. And obviously, Forrest broke. From there, from that free kick uh, and scored. So that was the only moment I would deem controversial. If Andre Mariner can't see it, the um, the assistant referee certainly can. And Paul Heckingbottom cited it in his post match press conference as well. Mm, fair enough. Let's go to Luton and Huddersfield. They finished all square in the first leg of their playoff semi final at Kenilworth Road. It finished one all. <laughs> Refereeing decisions led the majority of post-match chatter here, Justin. The first was Harry Toffolo being knocked in the back after just nine seconds. I've seen people say it's too early to give a penalty. Was it too early? Is giving a penalty too early a thing? And should it be a thing? Didn't Vinnie Jones set the record for the fastest booking? Um after about the three fastest se- sending off, didn't you? Or the fastest sending off, something like three seconds. It's never too early because a foul is a foul, isn't it? It doesn't matter where it is, when it is, a foul is a foul. If it happens as soon as a ball is kicked from kickoff, um, it's it's a foul. Um, it doesn't matter if it's nine seconds in, 90 minutes in. A foul is a foul, simple. Um, it was. It was, absolutely was a penalty. Um I, yeah, I don't know what the referee is, what the referee is seeing because I've, I, I don't think I've seen many more blatant pushes than that. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a poor decision from the official, um, and yeah, not not ideal given that VAR was um, flirted, shall we say? Yeah, and I always find this is it too early chat quite interesting because if. If it was too early for the referee to give major decisions, then people would just be scything each other down, wouldn't they? Exactly. Players doing drop like kicks like on each purge. Other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing RKOs and switching musics, all sorts, wouldn't they? I, I can kind of understand it if it's a red card, for example, because a red card that 
means it's a major disadvantage for the team who has the red card for the whole 90 minutes. Where an early penalty, they can easily just come back from it. But 100%, I think that should have been a penalty and Huddersfield will feel very aggrieved that they didn't get that one. The other controversial call was Cameron Jerome being brought down by Naby Sarr towards the end of the first half. Was that more or less of a penalty than the first one, Justin? Certainly less than a penalty, but I think it's clumsy from from Saar the way he comes in at the um, at, at an angle and it does catch Jerome. So I think that is one that if there is VAR, obviously the referee didn't give it. If there is VAR, VAR probably overturns it. Um, certainly a lot softer than um, than the uh, Huddersfield one, but I think um, Sonny Bradley asked the referee the question. The referee said, "I'm not giving soft penalties today." Fair enough. Yeah. I can see why, because it's got to be a certain decision, hasn't it? Because it's such an mm-hmm. important thing. And if it's 50-50, then I can kind of see the referees coming from. But at the same time, I think the Toffolo one was more of a penalty than not a penalty. Mm-hmm. The Cameron Jerome one, I'm a bit on the fence with it. it. You, you can give it... You, seen you, him you, given, yeah. but at the same time... For, for example, if, if the referee gave that and VAR was in place, I don't think VAR would be overturning it, nor do I think... If the referee hadn't given it, I don't think VAR would be overturning that either. Mm-hmm. I think it's just one of them. Yeah. Um, but overall, looking at the game just now, I thought Luton edged it. I don't think there was much between the two sides. And overall, Huddersfield would probably be actually quite chuffed with this result. Yeah, I thought, um, especially after Huddersfield scored, I thought Luton grew into the game and it probably suited them a lot more. There were some really good chances. I think Cameron Droyme had one where he put it over just over the bar. Um and Lee Nichols as well commanded his box brilliantly because there's plenty of balls coming in from, from Luton. But yeah, I think Luton perhaps edged it, um, although I thought the draw was probably a fair result. Um, but it, again, this was a, uh, an incredibly entertaining game. I, I expected both sets of playoffs, semi-finals, especially the first legs, to be quite close, given how each team is set up on some fairly defensive foundations Um not to disrespect them or anything, but yeah, they, they are solid teams, all of them. But these 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 two games were so open and the Luton-Huddersfield one was absolutely fantastic. And I think that sort of game suits Luton more than it did Huddersfield. Well, look, let's look ahead to the game on Monday night then. What do Luton have to do? Because obviously Huddersfield, they're on their own turf, scores are level. They'll fancy their chances now. I won't go as far to say one foot in the playoff final, mm-hmm. but kind of the step down. Whereas Luton have got to go out there and actually get a result haven't they yeah absolutely spot on I think uh, I guess similar to Sheffield United but I think the longer the game still stays nil-nil similar to Forest, it suits Huddersfield because Huddersfield are one of those teams where they'll be quite happy if it's nil-nil for a long period of time because I know they'll get chances from set pieces so I think if Luton come out of the blocks quite quickly um, again the first 30 minutes will be, will be vital because we saw Luton started to fade towards the end of the game. Harry Cornick picked, looked like he picked up a knock. Um, Henry Lansbury looked like he picked up a knock. First first half is certainly vital for Luton in terms of getting results, because I think the longer the game goes on um, and it's level, Huddersfield will will grow into it and probably come out the winners if, if that's the case. Interesting. Hard to disagree, though. Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about some of the news from the Championship in the past few days. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. And now, dear listener, it's time for this. 
Yes, it's time for the news and let's begin with one of the sides set to rejoin us soon, Justin. That's Watford and they've made a decision on their manager for next season. Forest Green boss Rob Edwards is going to be taking over from Rory Hodgson. As people may know, it's upset the hierarchy at Forest Green who say they're disappointed and accused him of negotiating with them behind their backs. But I think it's unfortunately for them just football. Anyway, what do you think of the move as a whole, Justin? I think firstly, uh, I'm going to stand with my my vegan community here um, and, and put my foot firmly in the forest green door. <laughs> Bloody hell. You're going to have placards <laughs> on lettuce leaves, aren't you? Let's have less of that, Ryan. You know, yeah, I'll take offence to that. Let us have less of that. <laughs> God's sake. What was the question? What do I think of the move? Um, is that, that was the question, wasn't it? Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm distracted I'm by thinking vegetables. peed off or something like that. For God's sake. <laughs> I generally can't remember the question now. <laughs> what do you think of Rob Edwards going to Watford? <laughs> okay, yeah. Um uh, it's it, it's it, it's an appoint I think it's a, a good appointment um and I think it's an appointment that also bodes a little bit of a risk from from Watford's perspective. Um, and Rob Edwards' perspective as well. I think if you go for a League Two manager who's just got one year's worth of experience at um, at first team level, there are question marks there. And obviously, he inherited a good squad at Forest Green anyway. So yeah, there, there are there are certainly question marks there. But he played a high pressing style of football. He, he utilised a back three and, and, and wing backs, and that's something that Watford squad's probably more suited for um, with the personnel that they have. And he's a young, hungry manager, so and he wants it, and he absolutely wants to do well, um, which probably suits Watford. But then there's, there's, there's the, the the sacking culture at Watford. Will he get time? Will he get time to evolve his philosophy? Yeah, that's up in the air, isn't it? Well, let's make no mistake about it. It's a big gamble from a Watford perspective, isn't it? Getting in a manager who's only had one season managing at senior level before he was only doing the England squads, or England youth squads, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. So giving someone like that the job of getting you back to the Premier League is a big ask, um, no matter who you are, but f- especially for a young manager who's only had the one season at senior level. I think it's interesting that Watford have gone down a different route to past managers because they've kind of been on this cycle, haven't they, where they appoint a foreign manager who is very defensive-minded, mm. sack him, get in a foreign manager who's more attack-minded, sack him, get in an old-fashioned English manager, start the cycle all over again. But now they've gone for a young English manager and that's interesting what the thinking is behind that. Will he last the whole season because it's Watford? I doubt it. And I think that leaves Rob Edwards in a kind of a interesting position because... Where will he go next if he did get sacked exactly. by Watford? Yeah. So, yeah, I find it all very interesting. I find it all very odd. But I think it's a big gamble from them. Will it pay off? I'm not too sure. We'll leave it at that. Sticking with the manager theme, Justin Blackburn have confirmed Tony Mowbray is leaving the club. No surprise, really, because he essentially said as much a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? Carlos Carvajal is the latest manager to be favourite for the job. Thoughts on that one? Yeah, bit bit left field, but he's had a, a fairly productive spell at um, at Braga and almost re uh, reignited his his reputation. I thought tactically, I thought he was a, a very good manager. I think Sheffield Wednesday were already on their downward um, spiral by the time he was sacked. That um, seemed uh, likely that Sheffield United were going to sort of falter and and and, and drift away um, by the time he left. So uh, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting one and. He's a very charismatic, likeable character. Um, 
will he suit Blackburn? Uh, maybe. Um, hard to tell, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is hard to tell. But I think one thing is for certain, they need to get something resolved very quickly because they've got a lot of players that need replacing and they are losing ground on the, the free agents that are currently available. Considering they've been linked with Daniel Farker, I think Daniel Farker would be a wonderful appointment for Blackburn. Yeah. Carvajal, a step down, but he's got a decent record in England so far. So I won't be against it. Just doesn't seem as inspiring as Farker was. But I'm willing to give him a chance anyway. Yeah. The EFL has confirmed VAR is going to be used in the Championship Playoff Final. It was reportedly going to be used in the semis, but the Telegraph says two of the clubs in favour of it missed out. Plus, it was also going to be complicated installing it at some grounds. Would have been interesting to know which clubs weren't in favour of it, Justin. Yeah, uh, it would be interesting. I think, I mean, I'm very pro VAR and I think given the decisions that went against three of the clubs, uh, VAR certainly has an impact in in those um, and maybe overturns two of them. So yeah, it is interesting and, you know, we can speculate as to who may have... um, May have said no to it, uh, but absolutely pointless. But I think that in terms of the the problems getting into one of the grounds, I think Kenilworth Road may have been one of those grounds. Hmm. I wonder why you think that. <laughs> the yeah. Sunday People says Birmingham City could be taken over in the next four weeks. An unnamed British businessman has been given exclusivity to finalise a £32 million purchase of the club and due diligence is underway. However, it casts even more uncertainty over the future of manager Lee Bowyer. One of the people who's been part of a consortium interested in Blues is former Barcelona player Maxi Lopez. Don't know if you remember him, Justin. And according Mm. to the Mirror, one of the players he wants to bring in is ex-Chelsea striker Diego Costa. How about that, eh? Yeah, it's pretty wild, isn't it? Um, I mean, it would be absolutely fantastic and there's nothing more shithouse than Diego Costa at Birmingham City, is there? But I feel like Birmingham City just need a bit of normality. They just need normal times ahead rather than these left-field signings that cost a fair bit of money. It would be great for the content, though, Justin, and that's, what all, that's all fantastic. I care about. <laughs> uh, the latest on Derby's never-ending takeover, American businessman Chris Kirchner has been given an extension for his period of exclusivity. It expired last week, but he had an extra seven days to get things over the line. The big hurdle continues to be the stadium, but we'll leave that there. There's been wild celebrations in Barnsley after a shake-up in the boot in the boardroom the boardroom at Oakwell co-chairman Paul Conway and Chen Lee have both left many fans have blamed the club's hierarchy for their frankly disastrous season so this move has been met very positively by Barnsley fans let's go on to playing matters Cardiff have made the first championship signing of the summer Justin Forest Green midfielder Ebu Adams has joined on a three-year deal you like that one yeah definitely um again he, he played in that Forest Green team. I mentioned that they were high-pressing. Abu Adams was a, a, a very uh, good ball winner as well. Um, and he certainly fits the profile that uh, Cardiff need, i.e. Um, a player who's heading into his peak. Um, and he uh, comes in with the view to changing the style of play. So absolutely, it's a good signing. Low risk as well, free transfer, League 2 signing. Or a player from League 2, I should say. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good pickup, I think. And again, stats back him up to being a, a very good ball winner. So we'll see how he, he develops over the over the summer. Mm. I was actually speaking to a Forest Green fan in the week about him and he says 
really good at everything apart from shooting. Can't hit a barn door. <laughs> but, so don't expect much, much from him in that department. But I was surprised that he's 26. I thought he was younger. But it's interesting that Cardiff are going this way. But I think it may be setting the tone for a lot of their signings <laughs> coming up this summer. Because we all know Cardiff need to trim the wage bill and getting players in like this. Who won't be on a fair amount, I think is a kind of uh, indication of where things are going there. Mm-hmm. Let's talk releases, Justin. Plenty of clubs have confirmed who's being let go this summer. Blackburn midfielders Joe Rothwell and Bradley Johnson are off. Rothwell's been linked with seemingly everyone. David McGoldrick, Luke Freeman and Lee Smoose have all left Sheffield United. Ben Foster's heading out the door at Watford, although they haven't released their retained list yet. That was just confirmed by Roy Hodgson. There are four big names going at Stoke. James Chester, Tommy Smith, Stephen Fletcher and Tom Ince. Tom Barkhazen, Scott Sinclair and Joe Rafferty, amongst a host of players, have been let go from Preston. Middlesbrough have released Sol Bamba, Lee Peltier and Neil Taylor. Jody Jones has left Coventry after six years at the club. Blackpool have let eight players go. Grant Ward was the one who caught the eye for me out of them. And that's just about it for now. Still plenty of clubs who have still got to do their retained lists. But anyone there who made your ears prick up, Justin? I've read out a lot of names. He's throwing me under the bus a little bit there. But I think um, I think Tommy Smith, actually, at Stoke, uh, maybe on a big wage. Um, I thought, especially in the first half of the season, he was probably one of the form players. I know he's had a couple of injuries. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd certainly look at him. Uh, and again, Tom Ince's form at Reading has been been really good. So hopefully he's, he's sparked up again. And to be honest with you, Ryan, I cannot remember any of the names you said. Sol Bamba, think, actually, you you've got to bring in Sol Bamba. Just, just he's just a legend. He is a legend. I think Joe Rothwell's going to go to someone who's either been promoted to the Premier League or wants to yeah. get promoted to the Premier League next season, isn't he? So that's pretty destined. David McGoldrick leaving Sheffield United was one that caught my eye because mm. I, I know he struggled with injuries quite a bit recently, but he could still do a job, couldn't he? It'll be thirty-five next season, so perhaps. Sheffield United probably, I mean, they looked they looked like an older team against Forest um, in that first leg on Saturday uh, in the playoffs. Uh, so I would certainly look to, yeah, definitely recruit a younger profile of player. Um, he's, I think he's a legend at Bramwell Lane. I know it's a big a big statement because he's only been there since 2018, but the impact he's had at that club in his in his short time. Yeah, he's, he's certainly a legend, and I think he'd be he'd be worth a pickup for a lot of teams. Probably got Luton written all over it next season if they stay in a championship. <laughs> Lise Musa, I think, could be a decent signing for a championship side. I know he's he was playing in Italy, wasn't he? I haven't really kept up with his progress there at all. But considering he was doing all right in the Premier League a couple of seasons ago, he may be a decent pickup. James Chester, do a job <laughs> no, for a championship no, no, side? No, no. no, I think he's oh, done. Friend. I think he's done. Really. Yeah, at this level, I think he is. But then again, uh, we've said that about. I mean, Curtis Davis, the, the form he's been in this season, came back off that long long term injury, um, and he's played every minute this season. So no reason why James Chester can't maybe emulate that. But I think certainly, maybe would be dropping down a level or even retiring. Lower Championship side, I think he could still do a job. Definitely, Stephen Fletcher as well wouldn't be a bad signing for a lower Championship side. Elsewhere, Blackburn have activated the one-year contract extension for Ben Barrett and Diaz. It was an option the club had, so not much has really changed in terms of his future. Of course, being linked with plenty of clubs still. Chris Basham signed a new two-year deal to stay at Sheffield United. And finally, goalkeeper Matthias Sarkic has won Birmingham Supporters Player of the Season award. That's all well and good, but he's not played for them since the start of 
January due to a shoulder injury. So <laughs> I think that says a lot about how Birmingham season ended. Justin, let's do the polls. This is the part of the show where we ask the listeners three questions on Twitter because we want to get their thoughts on things to do with the championship. So the first question we asked was this. Should there have been VAR in the playoff semis? Yes or no? Should I just surprise everyone and say no, just for something a little bit more controversial? You can I've been do saying, you want. I've been, it makes no difference. I've been saying yes for a long time, but I'm going to say no on this occasion because, yeah, why not? It's interesting that 61% of people have said yes, 39% have said no. It seems like the tide is kind of turning a bit on VAR. Do you, do I remember you know when I mean? we, yeah, I remember when we, obviously when we first started doing the podcast and we'd have these little debates about VAR and it'd be a question that always came up, didn't it? And probably still always mm-hmm. comes up now when we do Q&As and there was always a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of people against it. But yeah, I think, as you say, I think the tide is starting to turn. I think people are sick of crap officials, essentially. Yeah. Is Rob Edwards a good appointment for Watford? Yes, no opinion or no? I wouldn't say no opinion, but I think like, yeah, I'm sat on the fence. It's, I think it's a bit of a flip of a coin. Um, as to how it will go I think if he got time I think it could be a good appointment but do the Pozzos give time to managers Mm. I'm very unsure very unsure I've got to say 38% of people said no opinion 37% said yes 25% said no so quite mixed really and finally was the UK's Eurovision song actually that good yes or no I can't remember it um I remember the, as I say, I remember the Norway one quite well, and I remember the Spain one very well. Um, but I can't remember the English one now. I know, I know, some rider finished second, but I can't remember it now. It's considering everyone was talking about it beforehand. I listened to it a couple of times and thought he's not that outstanding, but it probably was one of the more memorable songs from the whole night. So I can see why it did so well. But fifty-one percent of people said no, it wasn't actually that good. Forty-nine percent of people said yes. So there you go, splits. Splits opinions amongst the listenership as well, Justin. Right, now it's time for Diddy or Didn't He? It's Justin Peters' favourite game, ladies and gentlemen, as he sits there sighing. I'm going to name for Justin 10 players with various connections to the championship and a club. All he's got to do is tell me whether they played for that club or not. He's got to have made a senior appearance for them at the very least. Justin, are you ready to take on Diddy or Didn't He? And what would you consider a good score? I'm a lot fresher today, so uh, I certainly change on that. I was hungover last weekend, uh, so mm. I'd say eight. I'll be, I'd be happy with eight. But you know, wow. we've got to consider form in this thing. Coming off the back of a poor week last week, who knows? That is a high bar for you, considering it I is. don't think you've ever hit eight. I think I have once. There was one week where I just I guessed every single one in a row, but then mm. got two wrong, which is what eight is. Yeah. Do you want the first one? Yeah. First one is Lucas Jukovic and Blackburn. Did he or didn't he? <laughs> no, he played for Burnley. There's no way he played for Blackburn. You're absolutely right. I made it up. He didn't play for Blackburn. <laughs> Next one is Ross McCormack and Doncaster. Did he or didn't he? I have a feeling he did. I have a feeling he had a loan spell from Cardiff there. It feels like he's. I've seen him in a Doncaster shirt. 19 appearances on loan in 2006. Wow. You're absolutely spot on, Justin. That is some knowledge in there. Um, next one is Andy Vyman and Watford. Did he or didn't he? He did. I remember that spell. Yeah. Fair play. He did. They completely passed me by. Two loan spells there in 
2011. Justin, you're doing really well so far. Next one is Lee Tomlin and Leicester. Did he or didn't he? No, 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 not Leicester. You're absolutely right. He didn't. He's from there and he came through the youth system there, but didn't make a senior appearance for them. So he's spot on. Four out of four so far, Justin Peach. Look at this. Next one is Tom Huddleston and Wolves. Did he or didn't he? Yeah, because he scored his first senior goal against Derby. <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> yeah, 13 appearances on loan in 2005. Another one that completely passed me by. I was hoping I got you there. <laughs> so five out of five. Wow. I was not yeah. expecting this. Sixth one, Justin. Jamie Mackey and Bristol City. Did he or didn't he? Came, came through Exeter. He was at Plymouth. QPR. Forest Reading. QPR again. No, not Bristol City. He didn't. You're absolutely right. Seven out of seven, Justin. Um, six out of six, sorry. Um, number seven is Chris Wood and Barnsley. Did he or didn't he? Chris Wood has either been linked with a loan spell everywhere <laughs> or has played for every other club. So, yes, I, I, the odds are definitely in my favour with that one. That is more than a 50-50 shout. Seven appearances on loan yeah. in 2010. <laughs> if there's ever been a player who's played for every single club in the EFL, Chris Wood can't be far off. Yeah, Chris like Chris Wood. Uh, play, uh, Billy Sharp as well as another one. Claridge. <laughs> yeah, Claridge is trying to play for every club. <laughs> Never mind in just the EFL. <laughs> uh, so you've got seven out of seven so far, Justin. You're blowing your expectations out the water mm -hmm. here. Next up is Barry Bannon and Bolton. Did he or didn't he? I think, I think he did. I think he, because he went to Palace, and it was probably a couple of loan spells away from Palace. Bottom maybe one of those teams, because he went to Wednesday from Palace. 16 appearances on loan in 2015. Ladies and gentlemen, he's got eight out of eight. He's got two more remaining. If he gets a full house here, then my, oh my, this is going to be some accomplishment and redeem his status as a championship expert, which has been long gone for quite some time. <laughs> um, ninth one, Justin. Callum Robinson and Reading. Did he or didn't he? So obviously he was at Villa. I can't really recall Callum Robinson's career that much. So he may have had a loan spell there, but not coming to mind. So I'm going to say no. He didn't. I made it up again. Justin Peach. Nine out of nine. Can he get the full ten, ladies and gentlemen? Can he get the full ten? Your final one is this. It's Liam Cooper and Huddersfield. Did he or didn't he? No. I, for some reason, all of these players' careers are coming straight into my head. Liam Cooper was at Hull. Chesterfield. No, Chesterfield Hull. Leeds. I don't think he was ever at Huddersfield. So, no. You sure? Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Made four appearances on loan. In you are kidding. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so close. But Justin, you, you kind of having a Blackburn-esque kind of season where started off so well, faded at the end, but you've still got to take into account it's been a marvellous campaign for you here. I think nine out of ten is a very good score. I'll take that. I was I was absolutely flying. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think yeah, given that I was able to, re I think it's just a good day today for me. I don't know what yeah. it is. Sometimes Feeling you have fresh. good days. Sometimes you have. Yeah, I am actually. We're recording a little bit earlier than when we do, which is absolutely no information to to the listeners. So maybe I am a little bit fresher. Yeah. Yeah, feeling fresh. Everything all right at home? 
Well, seemingly going really well. Yeah. Job going well? Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. I don't know why there was such a pause right. there. <laughs> friends and family, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one friend I have, um, which is you, I think. Yeah, you're all right, aren't you? Well, we'll leave that there. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this has been the second tier podcast. This has been our review of the first legs of the championship playoff semi-finals. We'll be back for the second leg review on Wednesday. So we look forward to seeing you then. So this has been the second tier podcast. See you again on Wednesday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And of course, thank you for listening. Thank you.